0: Chapter 31 of Antonia. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Antonia by George Sand, translated by George Burnham Ives. Chapter 7, Part 4. Marcel had stronger hopes of Julian's mental cure than of Julie's. "'he saw him as infrequently and for as short a time as possible. "'One day, when he was obliged to go to report to his aunt "'concerning a small matter which he had placed in his hands, "'he found her alone. "'Where is Julian?' he asked, in his studio. "'No, he is turning his attention to gardening. "'Since he has had this little plot of land to dig and plant, "'he is more easily consoled for everything.' He has had a great sorrow, Marcel, a sorrow of which you know nothing. He loved Madame d'Estrelle. I was not mistaken, and more than that. Yes, yes, said Marcel, who desired to avoid any sentimental scene. That has gone by, hasn't it? That is all over? Yes, replied the widow, I think so. If he were deceiving me, but no— "'After the hopes he has had, it is not possible, is it, my boy? "'You can't cheat the eyes of a mother who adores you.' "'No, of course not. Sleep in peace, dear aunt. "'I will go to bid Julian good day. "'If he is really deceiving his mother after the failure of his hopes, "'he thought, as he looked for Julian among the shrubbery, "'he must be a devilishly strong fellow.' Julien was digging a little hole in which to transplant a tree he wore a linen blouse and his head was bare standing in the loose earth with his hands resting on the handle of his spade like a laborer taking breath he was musing so deeply that he did not hear his cousin's step and marcel who saw his profile only was profoundly impressed by the expression of his face that manly countenance did not as yet bear the marks of sorrow which were already impairing julie's beauty but it had the tense drawn look of despair which marcel had had an opportunity to study on her face julie spied his cousin did not start at sight of him and greeted him with a smile it was precisely the same smile of lifeless affability with which Julie greeted him, a sweet but terrible smile, like that which we sometimes see playing about the lips of a dying man. This looks bad, thought Marcel. He is devilishly strong, no doubt, but he is probably the sicker of the two. Marcel, in his distress, had not the strength to conceal his emotion. He loved Julian dearly. His prudence deserted him. ''Tell me,'' he said, ''is anything the matter? Are you unhappy?'' ''Yes, my friend. You know very well that I am unhappy,'' replied the artist, dropping his spade and walking with his cousin under the trees. How could it possibly be otherwise? You are well aware that I loved a certain woman, for my mother told you so. The woman has gone away. Don't tell me that she will return.'' "'I know perfectly well that she must return, "'but I know, too, that it is my duty never to seek her presence again "'and to say to myself that she is dead to me.' "'And have you the courage to accept that conclusion?' said Marcel. "'Yes, if it is my duty. "'You understand, my friend, that a man must always accept his duty. "'Men submit to it with different degrees of courage. "'A man.' ''Yes, a man is a man. I am terribly unhappy, Marcel. I propose to endure it. I could endure it alone. You may be sure of that. But you can help me a little. Why do you refuse? What have you been doing the last two months is very cruel.'' ''How can I help you?'' said Marcel, suspecting some stratagem devised by passion to discover Julie's retreat. Monder replied Julian, reading his friend's thoughts, "'it's a very simple matter. "'You can tell me that she is happier than I am. "'That is all. "'How can I know? "'You see her two or three times a week. "'Come, you have done your duty, my friend. "'You have endured my anxiety with wonderful courage. "'You have shown very great devotion to her, "'and to me, too, perhaps.' But I have discovered several things. I know where she is. I learned yesterday from your son. Juliet doesn't know what he is saying. Juliet doesn't know her. Juliet saw her one day at the play. He hasn't forgotten her. He doesn't know her name, so he calls her the country client. He has often spoken to me about her. Her sweetness and fascination impressed him. "'Well, what then?' "'What then? "'Why, last Sunday the child went to the festival at Nantier, "'with a comrade of his own age, "'to whose parents you had entrusted him for that purpose. "'True?' "'The two boys eluded the watchfulness of the parents for a few moments "'and ran about the village. "'A tree heavily laden with fruit hanging over a low wall "'tempted their mischievous instincts.' juliet climbed on his comrade's shoulders and attacked the tree and while he was filling his pockets he saw a woman whom he recognized pass at his feet i know the street i made him describe the woman i have been to Nanterre and made inquiries in the neighborhood i have learned that a madame d'erlange that is julie under an assumed name lived there with her maid that she never went out that no one was watching her, and that she lived alone from inclination, that she was not supposed to be ill, although your son thought she had changed. In a word, I know that she is a prisoner on parole, or that she is afraid of my importunities. Tell me the real reason, Marcel. If it is the latter, tell her to come back, to return to her house. Tell her to have no fear." "'Tell her that I swear by all that I hold most sacred "'that she shall never see me again. "'Do you understand, Marcel? "'Answer me, and relieve me of the torture of uncertainty.' "'Well, it is all true,' said Marcel after a moment's hesitation. "'Madame D'Estrell is a prisoner on parole, "'but it is a parole which she herself gave "'and which no one compels her to observe.' She is at liberty to return, but she cannot see you any more. She cannot, or she does not wish to. She neither can nor wishes to. Very good, Marcel, that is enough. Carry her my oath of submission and bring her back to her own house. She is in dismal quarters now, and that solitude must be ghastly. Let her come back to her friends, her comforts, "'Her liberty. "'Go instantly. "'Go, I say. "'I don't wish her to suffer another moment for me.' "'All right, all right, I will go,' said Marcel. "'I am going. "'But what about you?' "'As if it made any difference about me,' cried Julian. "'What? "'Haven't you gone?' "'And he took Marcel by the shoulders embraced him and pushed him out of the gate. "'As soon as he had lost sight of him, "'He returned to his mother. "'Well,' he said with a smiling face, "'everything is going better than I hoped. "'Madame Destrel is not a prisoner. "'She will soon return.' "'He watched his mother closely as he spoke. "'She uttered a joyful exclamation, "'but a cloud passed over her brow at the same time. "'Julian sat down beside her and took both her hands. "'Tell me the truth,' he said. The marriage project worries you a little, doesn't it? How can you think that I do not long most earnestly for anything that will make you happy? But I thought that you no longer hoped. I was entirely resigned, and you said as I did. Let us not be discouraged. Let us wait. Let us not think too much. Perhaps she will forget. And in that case, perhaps you would do well to forget also. AND YOU ANSWERED, I WILL FORGET IF NECESSARY, AND NOW I SEE THAT YOU RELY UPON HER MORE THAN EVER. BUT DON'T YOU THINK THAT I HAVE REASON TO REJOICE? TELL ME FRANKLY IF I AM UNDER AN illusion, FOR YOU MUST TRY TO PRESERVE ME FROM IT. AH, MY CHILD, WHAT SHALL I SAY TO YOU? SHE IS AN ADORABLE CREATURE, AND I WILL ADORE HER WITH YOU, BUT WILL SHE BE HAPPY WITH US?' You know that Monsieur Antoine proposes to deal almost as generously with her as with us, that he will leave her a competence, so that poverty, which terrified you so, is no longer to be dreaded. What is tormenting you now? Nothing, if she loves you. You sigh when you say that. Do you doubt it, pray? I have doubted it hitherto, my child. What can you expect? if I am unjust to her, it is the fault of you both. You had no confidence in me. I did not see clearly the birth of your love. I did not follow its different stages, and when you said to me one morning, we love each other to distraction, it seemed to me too sudden to be very serious. It seemed to me that you hardly knew each other. When I told your father that I loved him, He had been at work three years decorating our house, and I used to see him every day. Several good parties had been proposed to me, but I was very sure that I loved nobody but him. Julie stood in a different position with respect to you. No marriage appropriate to her condition and her ideas about love had ever been within her reach. She was consumed with a craving for love and was mortally bored without admitting it. She saw you and esteemed you. You deserved it. You attracted her, as it was natural that you should. Peculiar circumstances brought you together. She thought that she loved you passionately. Has she made a mistake? The future will tell us. But she fled just at the moment when she said that she proposed to declare herself. She left you to wait and suffer without sending you a word of consolation. If I have doubted her, you must agree that appearances are against her. Then you think that prejudice has more power over her than love? You think that she lied when she talked to me enthusiastically of the modest life she proposed to adopt and told me how little she cared for honors and titles? I do not say that. I say that she may have made a mistake concerning the strength of her attachment to you and the reality of her distaste for society. So that if somebody should tell you that you have guessed right, you would not be surprised? Not very much. And not greatly grieved either? If your regret for her should be very great, my grief would be equally great, my poor child. If, on the other hand, you should bravely make the best of it, I should say that it was better so, and that you can surely find a more prudent and stronger-willed woman to love. Poor Julie, said Julian to himself. So her love for me was a mistake and a weakness, even in my mother's eyes. Well, set your mind at rest, he said aloud. She renounces the dream we dreamed together she no longer believes in it she is afraid that i will remind her of it all that you foresaw has proved to be true marcel has just told me so i have given him my word that i will never see her again end of section thirty one